0: Hey church family, hope you're all doing well and staying safe and healthy and it's certainly so good to be with you to worship together and to praise God together and so we're so glad that you've joined us to do that today and I want to thank you for being here uh, today. I know the holidays are um, you know, certainly a very busy time and I know there's lots of, I'm sure many of you have your schedules full with, uh, even though things are a little bit different this year, you know, you probably still have your your schedule full with things you got to get done and time with family or friends or whatever it is that, that you're doing. And and so I just, I, I want to thank you for, for taking the time out to to kind of realize what's the most important thing about this time of year and any time of year. But sometimes it's easy during this time of year to get focused on a whole bunch of, of other things. And so uh, I'm just thankful that you've taken the time to, to recognize what is most important during this time of year and to To gather with us to come and and worship together. And and so I'm glad that that you are here and that you've chosen uh, to be a part of worshiping with us today. And I hope you had a wonderful Christmas, a Merry Christmas. Hope you had good times with family and friends or whoever it is that you spent it with. I know, like I said, it was probably a little bit different this year, uh, just with things being the way that they are. But uh, even even in the midst of these difficult times, there's still so much for us to be thankful for and to celebrate especially us uh, as Christians and so hopefully you were able to do that and uh, again even though it may not look like we would want or be in the same ways that we would want there's still so much to uh, to celebrate and, and and be thankful for and I hope you had a great time uh, celebrating with whoever it was that you were with this Christmas season you know for most Christ- for most people uh, it's kind of been broken up this year because of, of things being different. But for most of us, uh, Christmas is all about traditions, right? We all have those traditions in, in our families from the type of tree that we get to the decorations we put up to where we go on Christmas Day or during the Christmas holidays to the food that we eat, the type of food that we eat or the uh, when we open presents, you know, do you open them a couple of the night before on Christmas Eve? Do you open them all on Christmas Day? You know, how do you, how do, you do that? to the games that we play, to the movies and the TV shows that we watch during the Christmas uh, season or even on Christmas Day in particular. I mean, the list just goes on and on, and I'm sure you've all got your own family traditions that you adhere to. Certainly our family has uh, our own traditions. Some of those are, are things that Marcy and I grew up with, and so we've kind of adopted them into our own family. Some of them are things that, that we have adopted and, or done in our own family that maybe we didn't do growing up. And so we, we all have our own family traditions that we love to enjoy around this time of year. As for me, there are several, like I said, in our family. But as for me, uh, one of the traditions that is at the top of my list all the time is just I, and I've said this earlier in the series, but it's those Christmas movies. Like I, to me, that's some of the best traditions of this year. Is just those certain movies that I have to watch during this time of year. Movies like Elf and Christmas Vacation, those probably are the two at the top of my list. Santa Claus, uh, A Christmas Carol, you know, there's several that I'm missing. Maybe some are different for you, but I I just love watching those Christmas movies every year. uh, That just really gets me into the Christmas spirit. But there are three movies in particular that aren't necessarily my favorites, But I can't help but think of them this time of year, and I always try to watch uh, all three of them, but there's one in particular that I'll always try and watch, and and I'll tell you about that in just a moment. But uh, those three movies that that, that I think of, they actually all came out in in the 1960s. In fact, they all came out in back-to-back-to-back years in 1964, 1965, and 1966. If you're familiar with that time period, then you probably know that I'm talking about uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, that's special, a Charlie Brown Christmas special, and How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the, the early animated one, not the Jim Carrey one, which I like too, by the way. That's a good one too, but uh, that's not the one I'm, I'm talking about here. And I, I just, I love those movies, those three movies in particular, because they're all just so nostalgic for me. And I'm sure they are for for many of you as well, just to kind of take you back to a time and, and, and place. And and I'm sure we could all argue about which one is our favorite, which one is the best. And, uh, you know, you you, you have, may have a different vote that, than I do. But for me, just, just me, my favorite of the three is a Charlie Brown Christmas. Because while all three movies have a, a sentimental value and they all nostalgically take me back in different ways, a Charlie Brown Christmas, perhaps more than not just those other two movies, but any other movie, just brings such joy to my spirit and, and really reorients me to what's most important, especially this time of year. But did you know that A Charlie Brown Christmas almost never made it to the TV screen? In 1965, the Coca Cola Company uh, approached Charles Schultz, who was the creator of Peanuts cartoons, uh, about doing an animated Christmas special. But it wouldn't be easy because they gave him just a few weeks to do it and a relatively small budget in which to do it. But he was able to pull something together, even in that amount. Uh, that short of amount of time. Well, a couple of weeks before the special was to air, Charles Schultz had gotten it all ready, and a couple of weeks before it was to air, the CBS execs wanted to see the show before it aired. And when they first saw it, they hated it. They thought it would be a disaster for several reasons. For starters, there, for starters, there was no laugh track, which was very common in those days. And they didn't use the typical Christmas music. Instead, they used kind of a jazzy musical background that kind of flows throughout the uh, the entire special. Uh, they also did something that had never been done before up to that point in, in animation. They used actual children to voice the children of course it's all children in the in the special but they actually used children in in the special to voice the children's actor or to voice the children's voices instead of what they'd always previously done which was to use adult voices to to voice over the children's uh, parts in the animation but that's not even what made them the most nervous what made the CBS execs the most nervous was a scene that Schultz refused to take out. If you recall in the show Charlie Brown is is very upset about the commercialization of Christmas and he's very down about just What is Christmas all about? Because he can't figure it out. And he seems to be all of these, not negative necessarily things that are going on, but just it's more about the the fluff and the commercialization of Christmas that everybody's worried about and bigger and better and all of these things. And and he's frustrated by the ability or the inability to, to be able to communicate to that, to those around him. And then, and so finally at the school play, he just screams, does anybody know what Christmas is all about? And Linus steps forward and he says, I know Charlie Brown. And it was what Linus said next that made the execs the most nervous. Quoting from Luke chapter 2, Linus recited And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. They were just going to cancel the show, but they'd already told everybody that it was going to be on. And so they went ahead expecting the worst because they'd never had such an overtly religious scene in a Christmas special before. So what happened? 50% 50%, 50%, which is a huge number, of the TVs in America tuned in to Charlie Brown. It won an Emmy, it won a Peabody, and it has become an annual staple during the Christmas viewing season because Charles Schultz understood something. He understood that to really grasp what Christmas is all about, you have to understand the very first Christmas song, when the angels burst out in praise and said, glory, to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. You see, Christmas is celebrating the fact that God is returning the favor. So the question you've got to ask is who is the whom? Who is this whom that the angels sing about uh, that God desires to grant His favor to? Well, first, I would say that whom is anyone going through tough times? Because listen, a few days of celebrating doesn't change the truth that most days are pretty hard, right? And most of us are pretty ready for 2020 to be over. I saw one guy said, you know, I used to say if it's not one thing, it's another, but this year it's usually both right? And a lot of us feel that way. Or maybe you feel like the one lady who wrote Santa and said, this year for Christmas, I want a lean tummy and a fat bank account and don't mix it up like you did last year. You see, shepherds knew about tough times. They were considered among the lowest class in Jewish society. In many ways, it was child's work. If you were a shepherd, you were unskilled, you were uneducated, you were unfavored. If you were an adult and you were getting work as a shepherd, you were going through a tough time. And yet it was to the shepherds that God gave the very first birth announcement. As if heaven were saying, you guys are some of my favorite people. You matter to me. You see, that night didn't change their circumstances. What it did change, though, was their spirit's. Because they realized that they mattered to God. People that typically were ignored, that were never given favor, were favorites to heaven. You see, Christmas is especially for you when life isn't especially awesome. And if that's you, then you are the whom to whom God says you matter. I notice you have most favored status in heaven. And whom is also everyone who longs for peace? Because if you noticed, it seems like a lot of people didn't get that email about peace on earth. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite games to play when I was younger, we haven't played as much now, although I still enjoy it, uh, but one of my favorite games to play was Monopoly. And I can remember every Christmas, we'd always play Monopoly when we got together as a family. And if you've ever spent any time playing Monopoly, then you have had a fight over Monopoly, or at least a squabble or or an argument. Now, I don't have any study to back that up, but you know that's true, right, if you've ever played Monopoly. But while there is no data to back up that every Monopoly game ends in a conflict, uh, studies have shown that it does start more fights than any other board game. In fact, it's it's not even close. If you're wondering, uh, Scrabble is a is a second, but it's not a close second. It's a very distant second. Monopoly takes the cake by far, as as far as uh, board games that create arguments, which is probably why several years ago the makers of Monopoly, and I'm not making this up. They actually set up a dispute hotline during the Christmas season that you can call because families fight over who knows the rules and what the rules are. And so they said you can call this hotline and we will settle the disputes on what the real rules are and solve your problems. It reminds me of one of my favorite jokes about the guy who went into the doctor's office to get a skin tag removed from his neck. And a big burly nurse comes in and she says, down the hall, first door on your left, take off all your clothes. And he says, well, ma'am, I, I'm just here to, to get a, a skin tag removed from my, my neck. And she said, down the hall, first door on your left, take off all your clothes. He said, but ma'am, she said, don't make me tell you again. Down the hall, first door on your left, take off all your clothes. He said, yes, ma'am. So he goes down the hall, opens the first door on his left, and he opens the door. As he opens the door, there's a guy in there in his underwear. And the guy who walks in, the first guy, says to the guy that's that's already in the room, he says, man, that nurse out there is mean, let me tell you. And the guy who's sitting in there says, yeah, tell me about it. I'm just the UPS driver. (laughs) I mean, a lot of people just seem to be mad, don't they? Something about this world just doesn't right. You see, this world is God's world, and God made this world for shalom. He made it for peace, but something has disturbed that peace. This world, the way it is, is not the way that it was meant to be. And so for peace to come back to the earth, a savior had to come from heaven, because the absence of peace is due to the presence of sin. We disobeyed God. We turned our back on him. And because of that, we have disturbed peace with God, with each other, even within our own spirits. And so Jesus came. It was God's peace initiative. And he came in a body and he lived a sinless life, but he died a sinful death. And they put him in a tomb, but he came out of that tomb alive and sin's curse was broken. And what began then to spread across the earth was the promise that peace was coming, that someday peace is going to cover the earth again. But God is saying you don't have to wait for Jesus to come back to have a measure of that peace right now. That peace can rule your heart right here and right now. Because whom is somebody who's tired of being afraid Heard a story about a little boy getting ready for the Christmas pageant. He was the angel and he had just one line. uh, It is I, don't be afraid. That's it. It is I, don't be afraid. He practiced the line over and over again so he'd get it right. It is I, don't be afraid. It is I, don't be afraid. And so the night of the Christmas show came and he walked out on stage and he got stage fright and he said, it is me and I am scared. (laughs) I have never seen a year like 2020 in which fear has been peddled like it has in this year. And in no way, please don't hear me say this, in no way am I saying that there aren't things that we shouldn't be concerned about. And and that we sh- you know, we, we we should be concerned about about some of the things that are going on in our world, but it has just been this constant barrage of fear Peddling And and what if this? And what if they? And what if that? And it has done none of us a favor. But you see, fear can only exist if something you're counting on to give you security is threatened. And that's why there's a brilliant moment in a Charlie Brown Christmas. It's very easy to miss. In the scene I described earlier where Linus is quoting from Luke chapter 2, Have you ever noticed that in the middle of that, when Linus is on stage and he's quoting that, that right in the middle, he drops his blanket. Now, if you know anything about Linus from the peanut cartoons or even from the Christmas special, then you know that blanket means a lot to Linus. It was his security blanket in every sense of the word, that thing that always made him feel safe. And yet, as he's quoting those words from Luke chapter 2, He drops it. And do you know when he drops it? He drops it exactly when he says the words, and the angel said, fear not. As if to say, if this story is true, and if God really is among us in the person of Jesus, we don't have to live by that fear narrative anymore. You can let go of that blanket, that thing that you're using to cope with life that is scary and hard. You can let go of it if you really believe that God is here and he's never going to let go of you. Now, that doesn't mean that we still don't recognize the terrors in this world. But what it does mean is that we're not controlled by them anymore. It means that the dominant, the most dominant, the most favorite emotion in our life is not fear, but it is joy. Because the birth of Jesus has birthed something in us. He entered a womb and he left a tomb for whom? And that whom is you and me. So at the close of this year, What if you embraced your most favored status? Because you see, Christmas, the holiday may be over. But what God did for us through Christmas, that's still coming. What Jesus started is still happening. We don't sing the Lord was come. We sing the Lord is come, that God is with us. We don't need those security blankets anymore and we gather together to remind each other that God is here that nothing has to steal our joy and that the way things are is not the way things have to stay. Because what God launched at Jesus's first appearing is going to be completed at his next appearing. Fear will end. Love will win. And peace Will cover the earth because God is returning the favor. And so we have to decide what story, what narrative am I going to live by? What am I going to lean into? The story that says, be afraid and grab a blanket, or the story that says, let go. Jesus is here and peace has come. I think about that tension when I think about the story behind a classic Christmas poem and song. It was 1863 when a young man named Charlie Appleton Longfellow left home without telling his father to go join President Lincoln's Union Army. He didn't tell his father, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, Longfellow, the famous poet, because he knew his father would say no. You see, his father was still in deep grief because two years earlier he had lost his beloved wife. Her dress had caught on fire and she ended up dying, not necessarily in the fire, but from the burns from the fire. And he, in trying to help put out the fire, had a face so badly scarred that he grew a long beard to help cover up the scars on his face. And so Charlie didn't tell his dad, he just left. That was in March. On December 1st, Henry Wadsworth, Wadsworth Longfellow, that's a mouthful, got a telegram. Charlie, his son, had been shot. The bullet had gone through his chest and nicked his spine. And so uh, Henry got on a train and went down to Washington, D.C. and arrived on December 3rd. Charlie arrived two days later on December 5th. Surgeons told Henry he's going to have a long, long recovery. He may walk again. He may not. We don't know. And so there he was after a couple of weeks of being there a few weeks, December 25th, a man who's lost his wife sitting by the bed of a son who may never walk again. And he heard the bells. The churches were ringing the bells saying, come to church. It's Christmas Day and the choirs were singing peace on earth. And Longfellow was wrestling with what he hears and with what he sees. And he had to decide which story he was going to believe the most. And so he wrote a poem called Christmas Bells that later became a song, which we know as I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And you can hear the struggle in his words when he wrote this in one of the lines of the poem. This is the third verse. He wrote, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But then listen to the last line of the poem and the song. He writes, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth. Goodwill to men. In other words, that's the narrative. That's the story that I'm choosing to live by. And so just like Longfellow, you you have to pick a story. You have to pick a narrative. You have to pick a song. You have to decide which story, which narrative am I going to live by One more Charlie Brown reference as we close our time. Did you ever notice at the end of the movie, at the end of the special, what Linus does with his blanket? He takes his blanket and he wraps it around the base of the tree and he leaves it there. As if to make the statement, if this story is true, I don't need my old securities anymore. And while I'm laying them at the feet of this tree, this Christmas tree, really what I'm doing is laying them at the feet of another tree, the cross of Jesus. Because I believe the story is true. And God with us is enough. And I believe the story is true, too. And I believe that you're here, you're listening today because you want to believe it's true, too. And so we join with the chorus of angels that saw what God was doing through Jesus. And they could not contain their praise. And they began to sing, and we join with them. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest.